0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to fifty percent off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you're a 415er, 415er, 415 you're all about your San Francisco 49ers, and this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Giddings and Mark Grandy. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the 415ers podcast three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Odyssey Sports Podcast Network, 95.7 The Game. It is Evan Giddings. It is Mark Grandy. Mark, how you feeling after a 13-0 shutout for the 49ers of the New Orleans Saints? The Niners, with some help from the Las Vegas Raiders, are now in first place in the NFC West. They have not allowed a single point in the last six quarters. As you can see there for those of our viewers on YouTube, they pitched their fourth second half shutout and they have a four game winning streak for the first time since 2019. What's happening?
1: Uh, I'm doing well, Evan. Yeah, all in all, a a good day for the 49ers. You mentioned the help that they got up in the Pacific Northwest from the Raiders. That's good news, obviously. Kind of a weird game for the 49ers in Santa Clara. They score 13 points, but they win. The defense pitches, pitches a shutout. You mentioned all those statistics for the defense. They've been absolutely incredible. But all in all, a relatively frustrating day offensively. There are some injuries to talk about on the offensive side of the ball as well. But as you mentioned, all in all, a very positive day for the San Francisco 49ers. They now have a game lead in the division. They've won four in a row. They're playing their best ball, you know, team wide over the last month. Uh, Things are looking up for the 49ers, but still just a kind of a strange game. Overall, the offensive issues, we'll dive into it. But the defense, they stole the show once again. They were just incredible.
0: Yeah, no, they did. And. I do think there are on both sides of the football maybe a little bit of um statistics not pointing to absolute truths on both sides and we'll get into the offense in a sec but you know this was a 49ers defense that I mean took took care of an offense that is inferior I think the Saints defense as we kind of talked about in the preview episode showed some signs of life but defensively they force two fumbles uh, they, I believe they had forced just one entering the game. Fred Warner starts it off on the first drive against Alvin Kamara and then Talano who Fonga down the stretch in the fourth quarter forces a fumble at the goal line, which Drake Green, Greenlaw recovers. That's huge. So against a team in the Saints mark that had one of the worst turnover differentials in the league at negative 12, they are a positive in that category and I think that is probably the biggest takeaway for me on defense is they were opportunistic, which has been one area they have not necessarily been as much this season. I know they haven't allowed a lot of points. They haven't allowed a lot of yards, but they haven't gotten the takeaways and kind of the big plays like the lone sack of the game, uh, which came in the fourth quarter for Nick Bosa down inside the 20 yard line. That was a, a gotta have it type play from your playmaker, and we saw it today from Hufanga. We saw it from Fred Warner. We saw it from Bosa. Uh, those are my biggest takeaways from the defense.
1: Yeah, I think you, you look at you know a shutout, and you might expect you know the opposing team to to only get 170 yards of offense, getting just maybe two and a half yards per play. That that's sort of the the numbers that you might expect. Uh, when the team doesn't put up any points. But the interesting thing is the Saints actually were able to move the ball a, a decent amount. The 49ers only outgained New Orleans by 57 yards. It's not a gigantic number considering the fact that New Orleans didn't score. The Saints 260 yards they averaged just under five yards per play, which believe it or not was more than the Niners averaged per play. The reason the Niners had more yards and ultimately scored more points is because they had the ball longer. And they were able to capitalize a couple of times when they got down into the red zone. But those yards kind of don't equal the number of points scored, and that's kind of been the case. We talked about it on a, on our Friday episode. The, the Saints haven't been the opportunistic team, both offensively and defensively, that they've needed to be. And it's a big reason why they're four and eight. But they had multiple drives stall out in the red zone you mentioned the force fumble on the goal line by Hufunga recovered by Jerry Greenlaw they had a missed field goal as well and then there were kind of game situations where they were down two scores two touchdown scores and instead of settling for a field goal to make it a 10 point game it was worth it to go forward on fourth and short and they didn't convert and that's a reason why they didn't score any points so the defense obviously incredible but to your point Um, probably not as incredibly dominant as you might expect for a shutout. But still, anytime you can put up zero points, uh, you can allow zero points uh, for the opposing offense. It's it's a gigantic win, and it doesn't happen all that often. The last time the Saints were held scoreless in a game, the final week of the 2001 season, that was also against the 49ers, snapping a, a streak of, Oh, what's the number over 300 games, 332 games, uh, the saints, uh, between shutouts for their offense. So an incredible number there for the 49ers defense, but, but again, the the saints were able to move the ball a little bit, but the Niners just played great defense when it, when it mattered down in the red zone.
0: Yeah. And the, the anomaly stat that I saw was in fact, I believe the saints last four shutouts have come against the 49ers, which is, which is pretty crazy. (laughs) Um, the absence of evidence is not the evidence of absence, (laughs) but no, I I do think in addition to also the missed field goal, as well as the two fumbles, the saints dropped, like the unofficial count that I had, Mark was about eight. They dropped like eight passes. Mm. Um, I know one of them was kind of a big one earlier in the game that Kyle Shanahan certainly gets credit for challenging, uh, Chris Olave down near the goal line. Um, you're, I'm sorry. Your, your boy Juwan Johnson from the University of Oregon was uh, had had hands of steel, and not in a good way. Uh, especially inside the goal line, he dropped a touchdown. Uh, he dropped what would have been a series extending play. If not for the Nick Bosa roughing the passer penalty on a fourth and one in the second half, uh Juwan Johnson was let off the hook for that one. Yeah,
1: if like, you started him in your fantasy lineups, uh, I apologize. Two targets, no catches.
0: I did. But the <laughs> uh <laughs> but but the fact of the matter is, no, you're right. Like like the defense was aided by the Saints. And this has honestly been New Orleans undoing all season. Now, this is where I do think there is some credit that does it should be deserved by the 49ers and Fred Warner kind of alluded to it a little bit in the post game, but he had noticed that Alvin Kamara had, you know, kind of had, had happy hands, so to speak, had been coughing up the football earlier in games. That would be something that was going to be on his mind entering the game. So, I mean, whether or not you on every single player trying to strip the ball or not, uh, Fred Warner took advantage of that on the first drive. Then that's something that leaks into the running back's mind later in the game. near the goal line where he's trying to make a play. He kind of got caught in that in-between Kamara did of trying to extend for the goal line near the one, but also trying to to kind of tuck it away. Greenlaw held him up in time for Ofga to get it. I think there were some side effects of, of, one, how physical the Niners were on defense, but also how well they were playing. When you're a Saints offense— that has has kind of struggled to put up points at at times this year. They're definitely a defense-first, offense-second type team. When you drop the first pass, you drop a big play, that sort of creeps into your mind when you are playing against the number one defense in the NFL and thinking to yourself, man, we might not have many, many more of these chances. And like you said, they did because they moved the ball down the field in between the twenties specifically, but when you're always in the back of your mind thinking, man, I don't, this might be the last chance we get. It makes it all that much tougher. And the ball seems to be a little more slippery, which is something we saw today.
1: Yeah. I, I think I agree with you. Um, There's certainly in the mind of Alvin Kamara and, and, you know, that's also kind of just the MO of the 49ers defense, but, uh, we talk a lot about forcing turnovers and how the saints haven't been able to do that. The Niners are doing that more often this year than they have in the past. And I think, uh, I mean, Talanoa Hufanga had a fantastic start to the season, maybe kind of come back to earth a little bit over the last month, despite the fact that this is when the team has been playing its best ball. And maybe it's because the team is getting healthier. Jimmy Ward is playing now and you don't need Talanoa Hufanga to do as much, but, Uh, I mean, he is just a ball hawk. He's everywhere around the football and the hit that he laid on Alvin Kamara at the goal line. I think 95% of players in the NFL are fumbling when they get hit like that. I mean, it was just the perfectly placed hit. It was legal. It wasn't targeting. It wasn't helmet to helmet. He got his shoulder right on the football, popped it up into the air. Dre Greenlaw ultimately recovers. Uh, Talano Funga deserves a shout out for that play and that play alone, even if it was the only play he made in the entire game, because despite the fact that, you know, it was a 13, nothing win, the Niners win by double digits, the Saints threatened to get to score and make it a one possession game, but they never did. I mean, you don't make that play. The Saints get in the end zone on the next play. Potentially maybe Kamara drags a couple of defenders in on that play alone. And suddenly you're just one play away from losing the game. So Talano Hufunga deserves a gigantic shout-out because he was incredible on that play. Just the pinpoint accuracy of his hit, popping that ball free, really difficult to do to a moving target, despite the fact that Camaro was slowed. Um, But still, Talano Hufunga has remarkable ball skills uh, for a safety and not just catching the ball, but it's, it's placing hits and knocking balls free. He's making a habit of doing it. And it was good to see it once again.
0: Yeah, no, if was fantastic to me, Fred Warner was a star on defense today. Uh, he was all over the field. He literally did a bit of everything. He got into the backfield when D'Amico Ryan's dialed up the blitz in the second half. He had a quarterback hit. He had two passes defended. Um, You know, I I know he didn't have as many tackles maybe as Hufanga did, but to me he was he was just absolutely everywhere today. And Fred Warner also, of course, forced the fumble early in the game on Kamara. Um, he was his presence was felt today. And, And that's where the 49ers to me can rely on their defense a bit. Um they they impose their will on games. Like they they absolutely do. And they force you also... One of the reasons why they haven't allowed a point in the last six quarters, one of the reasons they haven't allowed a point in the last four second halves is because they force you into tough situations where you have to go for it against them. Now, it helps that, of course, they're playing with a lead, which which their offense, to give them credit, even though only 13 points, three in the second half is not all that much, they did give them a lead to play with. The Saints were in situations where... Uh, even if they wanted to take the points, it wouldn't have been a wise decision. Like you're kicking field goals when you need touchdowns. And there's a lot of those scenarios to look at over the last four weeks, which is a reason why the point totals against the point Niners have been suppressed. One of the reasons why, you know, on fourth downs, other teams have not been as successful is because they put you in situations in which they want much in the way that a basketball team you know, it imposes its pace on an opposing team. The defense for the 49ers does that to offenses in a way that we just don't simply see all that often in an NFL nowadays in which it is moving the ball down the field, explosive plays, creativity. You don't see a whole lot of that against the 49ers because you just, you just can't do it.
1: Yeah, no, you, you can't. You I mean, you have to, when you're playing against a team like the 49ers who are so incredibly stingy defensively, uh, when you get an opportunity to score, uh, you get those opportunities so you know relatively few times that you need to take advantage and score six points when you do have the opportunity. So even if the 49ers on the other side of the ball aren't putting up 38 points like they did uh, you know, last week on Monday against the Cardinals in Mexico City, which they didn't do this time around, only scoring 13 points and struggling on offense in their own right, specifically in the second half, even when the Niners offense isn't lighting things up. This is a defense that is dominant enough that is forcing other teams to make tough decisions and go for it on fourth down instead of taking three points. You might, that might not make a ton of sense logically because generally you think, all right, Field goals aren't going to do it in this game because we're playing Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas city chiefs. They're going to score 30 plus points today because that's who they are. But when you have an elite defense like the 49ers and you're going up against that, the logic is still there. That same logic applies because your chances are just so limited. You need to score on those chances you get because you're not sure if you're going to get another chance. And that's why, the Saints and other teams have been forced into going forward on fourth downs in field goal range because they know that this might be one of the only chances they get to score all game long. So the Niners defense, as a result of how stingy they've been, are forcing other offenses into making tough decisions, do or die plays on fourth downs in second halves. And the Niners are good enough to get stops on those fourth downs. And that's why As you mentioned, six straight quarters without allowing a point. It's over 94 minutes of game time since their last point allowed. They haven't uh, allowed a point in the second half in four straight games. They will finish November without allowing a second half point. Just remarkable numbers for the 49ers. And uh, you got to, you know, hats off to the defense. Everyone on the defense played great. And it's still not a fully healthy unit which is pretty incredible to, to say it looks like Eric Armstead is is working back towards playing which will be a gigantic plus but the Niners defense just checking boxes every single week it, it's kind of getting uh kind of getting repetitive at this point they've played so well over the last month Learn more at Marines.com.
0: Uh, this is the 415 Podcast coming at you as always three times a week on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. It is a victory Sunday and then Monday for the 49ers as they beat the Saints 13 to nothing. Their fourth straight second half shutout. 49ers are now seven and four, a game in hand against the Seattle Seahawks, as well as the tiebreaker for first place in the NFC West. All right, Mark, let's just let's just let's just cut to the chase here. Jimmy Garoppolo's got 40 wins as a starter. How do you feel about that?
1: <laughs> uh, he's, he's he wins games. There's no, de- <laughs> there's no denying that. He wasn't he wasn't great today, but it was good enough to get the win. I mean, when your defense doesn't allow a point, you don't need to be great. He he certainly wasn't that today. The numbers aren't bad. 26 of 37, 222, a touchdown, no interceptions. He definitely made at least one turnover worthy throw and decision. It came back because of a penalty. We can talk more about that. But, hey, the story of Jimmy Garoppolo's career, he's generally good enough to get you a win, and you could say that again here today.
0: Jimmy General. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, so I actually I do want to push back a bit because I, I thought Garoppolo was, was pretty good in the first half. I know he missed a few throws, but considering the fact that the Saints... And this is something that we, we sort of toss around in the preview on, on Friday is like the Saints do create pressure on opposing quarterbacks and they can get to quarterbacks with four guys. And especially with Cam Jordan and Marcus Davenport returning from injury, uh, they had a beefed up defensive line that continuously saw Garoppolo kind of dancing around the pocket. He got Jimmy happy feet like we saw that at times. But I also felt like look, he was. 20 of 28 in the first half for 175 and a touchdown The throw that you mentioned, uh, which should have honestly been an interception. He got bailed out by, by a late flag, kind of a, a ticky tack call. I thought uh, came at the beginning of the second half. So the first 30 minutes, I thought he was good. He was six of eight on third down. He made, I thought, a really good throw, a couple of throws on the first two third downs of the game, one on a 20-yard pass, uh, kind of a swing pass to Debo Samuel, and then a thirteen and uh, third and 13 to Ray-Ray McLeod on the sideline, which eventually led to a fourth, a fourth and one conversion to Christian McCaffrey. But the second half, Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo whether he wasn't allowed to or whether he just uh, you know didn't have it he didn't show up he was he was six of nine 47 yards the turnover worthy throw as you mentioned Um, he also I think partly which played into it got hit late Uh, the non-surgically repaired knee was the one that was was looked injured for a second he stuck with it stayed through the game To me, why the Niners got conservative in the second half, especially passing the ball, Mark, was because I think Shanahan was a bit afraid at some of the injuries that his team was sustaining and how that hampered the offense, one being to Garoppolo, even though he stayed on the field. One being to Debo Samuel was a a quad contusion that he sustained in the first half, came out of the second half. Christian McCaffrey also went out for, I believe it was a series in the first half, came back and finished the game. And then, of course, Spencer Burford, who has ended up in a walking boot after the game. There were some injuries on offense that I think forced Shanahan to go into his shell, uh, but that doesn't dismiss the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo played like, in the second half, a quarterback that everyone was a bit afraid of when he took over the reins of this team because that is also the guy that can get you beat. And if that play happens, if that flag isn't thrown, you're looking at a one possession game at the beginning of the second half in all likelihood and a game in which the 49ers offense couldn't turn the switch back on. Instead, they went 13-0, but it could have been a very different ball game.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you have to credit Jimmy Garoppolo for keeping, you know, staying in it and, and you know, being tough through all those hits he took. It wasn't just that one hit where he he clearly got a little banged up on. And if you didn't hear what he said post game, he kind of threw a shot at the Saints. He said, There's no place for that, as in there's no place in football for a hit low uh, to a quarterback like that. I'm all right, a little sore, but nothing bad. But Jimmy Garoppolo took a bit of a shot uh, at the Saints post game there. Um, but you have to credit him for, I mean, it wasn't just that hit. He took multiple hits in the game, spe- uh, especially in the first half. I mean, I guess the reason is because the Niners threw the ball. Uh, what twenty twenty eight times twenty eight times yeah. in the first but no, you're right.
0: He was he was pressured. I believe it was like one third of his of his dropbacks in the first half.
1: Yeah, the offensive line was not doing their job specifically in the first half, protecting Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe part of that is you're on somewhat of a short week with a weird travel schedule. The previous week, uh, that could certainly factor in. Generally, your first game back home after a trip. Uh, and this was a weird trip where you go to Colorado and then you go to Mexico City and then you come back. You're generally a little sluggish and slow to start. The offensive line was straight up bad in the first half. The run game also was not working. So it wasn't just a case of great run blocking and, and bad pass protection. It was relatively bad all the way around. So you need to credit Jimmy Garoppolo for fighting through that, taking hits, and on multiple occasions still delivering catchable balls through the contact. Um but I think it's, it was his worst game of this recent stretch. I know that's not, you know, saying all that much considering he's been pretty good over this stretch. Um, but he had that turnover worthy throw the touchdown to Jawan Jennings was deflected by, you know, Matthew in the end zone. Uh, it could have easily been picked off as well. There, not saying it should have been, uh, but that was not, the best throw either it ultimately ends up in a, in a touchdown he also missed a streaking christian McCaffrey down the left sideline in the first quarter uh, it was a third and eight play if he hits him in stride it might have went for a touchdown he overthrew that one so there's certainly mistakes and there, there's always mistakes i mean no quarterback is going to be perfect throughout an entire game but i think there were more mistakes and more costly mistakes or maybe they were just a penalty away a lucky bounce away from from being these really costly mistakes that could have cost you a win. Um, but ultimately, he was good enough, you know, to win the game. And in terms of the play calling in the second half, I'm with you. I mean, Kyle Shanahan saw some mistakes. He saw the injuries. He saw how dominant his defense was and saw no reason to air the ball out like he did in the first half. Why would you if you were Kyle Shanahan in that position? But uh, a serviceable Jimmy Garoppolo game. But I think for me, it it, it tops out there.
0: Yeah, serviceable is probably a good way to put it. Um, He did what he had to to make sure the 49ers maintained their 13-point lead, leaned on the defense. Of course, the other injury that was maybe the most impactful uh, coming out of the game was Elijah Mitchell, who went down and is out and is likely going to be out for multiple weeks. He sustained an MCL injury, uh, not the same leg that he had an MCL on earlier this year, which forced him to the IR. So at least there's good news there. It doesn't appear to be as severe, but I think it's also a reason why, well, not only you saw Jordan Mason in the second half, but why the running game was not as effective and why the offense overall was not as effective. We've seen the game plan for Shanahan, especially this season, maybe more so than others use the pass, and then play off it with the run. First half, like we talked about, we saw Jimmy Garoppolo drop back a lot of times. I know the running game wasn't there as much. We didn't see Elijah Mitchell, however, until the second quarter. I believe that was the first time he got in at the 14-20 yeah. mark in quarter number two. So he gets hurt, and then from there, it's 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 like you're just banging a wall. Now, the, the, I think the Saints have a good defense. I know that sounds strange for a team that is now 4-8, and eight, But as we talked about before, this is a team that was playing with, I think Shanahan mentioned like seven starters being out before this game. They got four of them back today. It's a much better defense than it's played partially because of how many times they turn over the football, but it was not an, I mean, they didn't, the 49ers didn't crack the 100 yard mark on the ground. I think they were about 3.3 yards per carry. They were not good running the football today. And so that also, with the lack of Mitchell, uh, Christian McCaffrey not being on the field for the entirety of the game, though he did finish, it did feel and look honestly like the 49ers were limping to the finish line a little bit. And I just, I, I honestly just think Kyle Shanahan, like you mentioned, seeing how good his defense was, just figured, hey, the only thing that can hurt us this season is injuries. If we are not healthy, we're going to struggle. If we are healthy, I think we can be the best team in football. That's to me why he kind of uh, didn't really, you know, put his foot on the gas pedal, so to speak, down the stretch.
1: Yeah, I mean, what was it over after the last two games? The the Chargers win, he came out and said, feels kind of strange, but no new injuries in the game. He said the same thing after the Cardinals win. And now this time he does have a lot of injuries, Uh, To to break down and and the biggest one, as you mentioned, is Elijah Mitchell MCL sprain similar injury that he had early in the season that cost him a couple of months. It's a different knee and not as severe, but both MCL sprains, I would guess at at least two weeks, three weeks. It seems like that's a relatively safe estimate there. Uh, Spencer Burford, an ankle in a walking boot post game. That's not the the biggest injury. The Niners have been kind of subbing in and out Uh, Brunskill with uh, Burford to that right guard spot. So you, you never want to see, you know, an offensive lineman go down, but if you had to maybe choose one, that might be the guy where you have the most plug and play replacement. Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel were both in and out of the game. So I agree with you, um, that, you know, Kyle Shanahan d- decision to kind of, you know, play conservative in, in the second half. Uh, only nine pass attempts in the second half after 28 in the first half they ran the ball 16 times in the second half despite the fact that they weren't all that successful on the ground Uh, was for multiple reasons it was you know uh, you know Shanahan's decision was for multiple reasons to to keep it on the ground Um, and you I mean everyone would want to see more points you know 13 points and everyone's a little frustrated the overall you know touch touches numbers aren't you know, they're pretty spread out because the Niners have so many weapons, but certainly like to see more points put up. But considering everything that happened in the game, um, I don't think anyone can be all that upset at Kyle Shanahan for the way that he called this game. He he did what he needed to do to come out with the win and stay as healthy as possible. And we'll see where where the, where the team goes beyond this. But to your point, the Saints defense is certainly much better than the the Cardinals defense. Um, but I think the Niners fans would like to have seen a little bit more offensively. Maybe they like to see George Kittle a little bit more involved. Brandon Ayuk got going in the second half, and I think late in that second quarter, um, but not too many explosive plays from the Niners on offense.
0: No, I'm with you, and, and I do want to bookmark that that Shanahan play calling. We're going to come back to that in just a little bit. I, I This is why I do think that Elijah Mitchell's injury is significant outside of just his production. And I understand Burford going down, maybe not giving people pause because of Brunskill, but a big part of the offensive line and the approach this year for the Niners is having rotational pieces to keep yeah. guys fresh. So that that's something to keep an eye on for sure with Burford, uh, who, by the way, was was your offensive rookie of the year pick at the halfway point, Mark.
1: Yeah, he's had, um, a, he's had a good season.
0: He has, he has. But but Elijah Mitchell to me, and, and I don't want to, I don't want this to come off like me, making him out to be a sacrificial lamb. But Elijah Mitchell, before the beginning of last season, was not a very highly prized rookie. Now, he turned into one. And I believe that Kyle Shanahan has demonstrated he can create running backs, which is why I'm not so... I, I'm not too concerned about what the running backs are going to do production-wise in the future. I am concerned, however, how healthy Christian McCaffrey is going to stay now that he doesn't have Elijah Mitchell there. Because Elijah Mitchell, in the second half of games since his return, has been the bell cow guy that they have given the ball to quite a bit. They have also been allowed to run him towards the middle in, in areas that Christian McCaffrey might be a little more liable to get injured in. So where Elijah Mitchell's injury to me hurts Mark is the fact that now you don't have a guy that can take some of the pressure and some of the damage as much off of Christian McCaffrey. And I think that's one of the reasons why you see Mitchell get banged up a bit. And and I hate that it comes down to, to sounding like, all right, well, he's the one that that's we're okay with getting injured. But I do think in a way You use Mitchell, you use your backup, your twos and your threes in the running back room. You use them to make sure McCaffrey, along with Debo and everyone else that is a a higher pecking order, higher in the hierarchy offensive player, can get to the playoffs more 100% than not.
1: I might push back on that a little bit. Certainly the Elijah Mitchell injury isn't a good thing by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, he was running the ball really well. He always runs with such power and he's so much quicker than anyone gives him credit for seven carries, 35 yards, five, a pop. And it just seems like he's always,
0: and he had, uh, he had a touchdown called back.
1: He did. And that was an explosive run from, I think, almost 40 yards out. You um, know, that was kind of a, a tough holding call on George Kittle. He was certainly upset about it. And Kyle Shanahan on the sideline, you could play, you know, lip reader and and you, you knew uh, what, what words he was saying there. But still, I think, uh, what we saw, and I know it was mostly garbage time fourth quarter, although they were some pretty impressive and, and important carries, considering the fact that it was still only a two-score game with about five minutes left. Jordan Mason looked good on the ground. Five carries, 25 yards, running the ball hard. He's big and strong, running over some tacklers. He, he's falling forward. And uh, I would imagine that we're going to see TDP, the other rookie, Tyrion davis Price. Uh, suited up he hasn't been activated and and in you know pads for these games because Jordan Mason is able to play special teams and that's why they dress him they don't dress TDP I would imagine we'll see TDP um, in in future games that Elijah Mitchell misses for me the biggest thing isn't necessarily the Elijah Mitchell injury but for me it's keeping an eye on Christian McCaffrey and his injury, he he went out, you said he missed a drive, he came back. It doesn't seem to be a bad injury at all. It was described by Kyle Shanahan as just knee irritation. If you were watching the Fox broadcast, you could see he was wearing some kind of device below his left knee. I don't think it qualified as a full brace, but kind of a ring around the lower part of his knee uh, to help with that knee irritation. If I had to take a guess, he doesn't miss a game, but he probably doesn't practice all too much. It's going to kind of be a load management situation for the 49ers is my guess. But the biggest thing for me isn't necessarily um, the Elijah Mitchell injury because I do believe in, in Jordan Mason, despite the fact that we haven't seen him all too much. For me, it's more about is this Christian McCaffrey irritation going to be enough to really limit his touches and his carries and how much the Niners are willing to give him the ball because we've seen in the last month how different this offense is with him on the field and without him, I think that's clearly uh, the, the bigger issue here rather than Elijah Mitchell. Because as you mentioned, the the ability of Kyle Shanahan to create running backs almost out of thin air, and you know maybe if if McCaffrey has to you know scale back his workload just a little bit, we'll see Jordan Mason you know or Tyrion Davis Price you know appear as as a new running back for the 49ers. Uh, but I think the bigger thing is if this little irritation for McCaffrey is something that's going to keep him out or if it's just going to be something that potentially limits his touches over the next few weeks.
0: No, that that's a good point. That That is an absolutely good point about Christian McCaffrey, something to keep an eye on. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. Want to remind everyone to download, rate, and subscribe to the 415ers. Five stars are appreciated. Evan Giddings and Mark Grandy coming at you. I'm on social at EGiddings10. Mark is on social at Mark Grandy. Mark with a C, Grandy with an I. Well, that that kind of takes us into, I think, the the play calling of Shanahan. Because, look, obviously you don't want to risk any further damage to a guy like Christian McCaffrey uh, with the knee irritation. Obviously, you don't want to risk any further injury to a guy like Debo Samuel, although a, a quad contusion sounds far less uh, significant than anything re- knee-related when it comes to a running back, and especially one of McCaffrey's um, inv- value to the 49ers. But I don't know. I, I was kind of going back and forth on Shanahan, Mark. Like I, I would probably give him like a B- minus for, for, for today if we had to give a grade. And I would give him a B minus because outside of the second half, I I sort of understand why he played it the way he did. Although I do wonder how he would have played it if maybe Kamara doesn't fumble. Maybe they get in kind of 13-7 if he decides to get more aggressive after that or not. I think he just leaned on his defense and rode them out. But in the first half, we, we saw Shanahan go forward on two fourth downs. And we saw him get one of them, obviously the one that that led to a field goal on the first drive, which maybe people weren't happy about. And then one uh, on the fourth drive of the first half, the second to last drive of of the half where, you know, on on third down, uh, you know, he kind of creates a play for Juwan Jennings that doesn't go anywhere. I know people were mad about Christian McCaffrey on the other side being open, but to me, that's a play set up by Shanahan. So Christian McCaffrey is supposed to be the decoy goes to Jennings. And then on the fourth down, they run this sort of, um, you know, action, like this design for George Kittle, that, that turns into nothing. The saints cover it up. Jimmy Garoppolo tries to run for it. He doesn't come short of the goal line. It's still three, nothing, you know, right before the half there, uh, I can't fault Shanahan for the aggression, and that's to me where he is more of a B or a B plus. But the play calling still leaves a lot to be desired for me. And that's where the, the play calling is more of a C or a C plus. The aggression and the, the, the trust in his team gets him to the B minus. Uh, but Mark, I, I'm sure he's gonna catch a lot of flack this week for not producing points in the red zone, which was the issue against the Chargers, wasn't against Arizona.
1: I'm glad you brought up the fourth down decisions. I absolutely love the aggression from Kyle Shanahan. I think they're both the right decision. And for me, it's not particularly close. The first one, as you mentioned, ultimately didn't really change the the expected points because you were in field goal range when you went forward on fourth and one. And then you ultimately end up settling for a field goal because you weren't able to move the chains after that fourth and one conversion. Still, I think the right decision by Kyle Shanahan, and that's a notch, you know, on on the good side in my book, the other one, the fourth and one uh, fourth and goal from the one you're up three, nothing three minutes left in the second quarter. I like the decision and I like the play call. It was a play action fake out of the shotgun and Garoppolo kind of rolls to the right. You mentioned his first option was George Kittle didn't like the look and then he thought he saw an opening to run credit him for being willing to take a hit. On trying to run, but there was absolutely no chance he he was getting in. And whatever hole that he saw closed very quickly. Um, maybe that the the play call wasn't the greatest. Maybe it was just credit the Saints for covering things up. But if you're Jimmy Garoppolo, I think you have to look at your other options before trying to take off and run. Sure, your number one option Kittle was covered up, uh, but beyond that, I mean, you have how many other weapons on the field for that play? I believe it was Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. Actually, no, Christian McCaffrey was not on the field on that one. Uh, but you have Debo Samuel. You have Juwan Jennings, who's been a go-to target for Garoppolo on third downs. He can certainly be of use on fourth down. If there was any one decision on the play call there that, that I might have paused with, it is the fact that Christian McCaffrey wasn't on the field for that fourth and goal from the one. If you're going to use him, actually give him the ball or use him as a decoy on that play action fake. I, I think it could certainly be of use, uh, but overall I like the decision to go for it. I don't mind the play call. I think the saints were probably expecting run play action fake, probably a good thing to call it. It just ultimately didn't work out. And Jimmy Garoppolo may be deciding to take off and run just a, a beat too early. He probably could have looked elsewhere after Kittle, but he decided to take off and run and ultimately he falls short. So it stays three, nothing, but, I am a gigantic fan of Kyle Shanahan deciding to go forward on both of those situations. I think we're seeing him learn and kind of evaluate some of the decisions he's made in the past, not just this season, but years past. He's been really slow to kind of come around to this analytics wave, and I'm not saying fully embrace it, um, but his decisions to go forward on these fourth and shorts, we would not have seen that back in 2019. It's not always going to work, but the math suggests it will work more often than not. And I am glad that Kyle Shanahan is now more willing to make those sorts of decisions.
0: The math suggests it, but the play calling to me does not as much. And that's maybe why I understand why Kyle's been conservative. Not that he doesn't have trust in his own playbook, but I think with the identity of this team being its defense, he also recognizes how much more valuable points can be against a team like New Orleans. Now, that's going to change, obviously, next week when you're looking at a Miami team that can put up points in a hurry sure. and teams that you might face in the playoffs that can score in bunches. But like that, 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 the play calling to me is interesting. You mentioned Christian McCaffrey not being on the field on fourth down. Well, Debo Samuel also wasn't on the field on fourth down because the play before on third was the play where he got hurt and then had to leave. So you're missing two, arguably your two best playmakers on that fourth down, which you run to the third best. I would identify as Kittle, and it doesn't go anywhere, so you don't get it. But the play before goes to Juwan Jennings. The play before that goes to Elijah Mitchell. I mean, I understand Elijah Mitchell's you know, kind of a, a bruising running back, but Using Christian McCaffrey as a decoy on third down when he doesn't see the rock on, on the two previous plays, to me, leaves a little bit of a question. Um, The field goal in the opening drive that they didn't turn into a touchdown despite converting a fourth down. Um, I, I do think you could come down Jimmy Garoppolo's road a little bit. There was a pass that was... Deflected. They said it was intended for George Kittle. In my mind, that was supposed to go to Iuke, who was behind Kittle in the corner of the end zone, who may or may not have been open. He was certainly more open than Kittle, who was covered. Uh, So that's a play where you could say the quarterback didn't make it. You know, Jimmy decides to, after a first and nine run for McCaffrey that gets you to the five, throw through the back of the end zone. Don't want to make a turnover worthy throw there. Uh, But like, there seems to be, I guess, a lack of intention to get your best playmakers, the football, when it counts. And I, I think that's for me, Mark, where I would have a question for Shanahan. And maybe he just says simply, hey, look, New Orleans is a good defense. They're going to take McCaffrey away from us on any single given play. So we wanna, we'd want we rather use him as a decoy and get one of our other guys open.
1: I I hear you. I, I do also think he deserves credit, Shanahan, that is for being flexible with his play calling. This is a a guy in Kyle Shanahan. It's no secret. He likes to run the ball and he, he likes to develop and establish that run game and then use play action off of it. Uh, The run game was not working. It was not working at all early in the game. And he tried it through the first quarter. And then the first play on first down of the second quarter for the 49ers seven offensive plays on first downs, five of them were runs. So it was relatively conservative early on early downs for the 49ers, which is par for the course. But after he you know got a decent sample size of the run game and, and it was not working, he flipped the the script. and it's something that he hasn't always been willing to do. You look at most of that second quarter, Kyle Shanahan, after five of the first seven first down plays were runs, From that moment on, nine, nine for the 49ers of their next 13 first down plays were passes. And it ultimately resulted in that touchdown to Juwan Jennings, which we talked about, you know, maybe could have been deflected and incomplete or picked. Regardless of the result, that, you know, that willingness for Kyle Shanahan to kind of change his game plan and go with the passing game, which was, working a bit more in the first half than the run game. Certainly, I know he went away from it in the second half because of what we've already talked about, all the situations of the game. But him showing that willingness to kind of adjust on the fly in the first half, be aggressive with the passing game and help it you know be a reason why you, you got out to a two-score lead. I think he deserves some credit for that. And maybe it's relatively simple and you don't think that's worth applauding, um, because if your run game isn't working, you should throw the throw the ball. But I think Kyle Shanahan has tended to be really tough to, to convince him to move away from the run game like he did in the first half. So I think he deserves a bit of credit for that. Maybe it, it's not the biggest play or the biggest decision or the biggest reason the Niners won. But I do think on multiple occasions we now are seeing Kyle Shanahan uh, being willing to, to maybe have his previous beliefs or thoughts challenged and adjust off of that because I don't think we've seen that much throughout his 49ers career, even when the run game had been struggling. But he made that decision pretty clearly in this first half uh, against uh, I, I, against uh, this team here today.
0: Yeah. And, and that's why I think a, a B minus is probably what I would give him. Like, I, I think there were things that went under the radar that he did well, and there were things otherwise that I, I would want to see more from. Um, <clears throat> Part of me. I do want to get to uh, our game balls before we wrap this thing up, Mark. Um, for me, uh, the game ball, we, we, we kind of mentioned him a little bit throughout sprinkled on offense, but it's Juwan Jennings. And it's specifically through the last drive of the first half for the 49ers. Juwan Jennings has quietly established himself throughout his time in San Francisco as a nice third down option kind of a safety blanket for garoppolo but i don't think we saw it any more so than on that final drive of the first half and especially with his line compared to other receivers today so on a third and 10 with a minute 38 left in the first half garoppolo on a nice ball mind you fits it in over the middle to juwan jennings who picks up a first down and a 13 yard gain then the next play right after that first and ten goes to the left side to an open Juwan Jennings, who turns it up field nine yards of yak for a 12 yard gain. And then after the Elijah Mitchell 32 yard touchdown score, that was nullified by the Kittle holding, which we talked about early in the episode. He gives it up the middle to Mitchell second timeout with about 42 seconds left after another run to Mitchell, they have to burn their third timeout. So none left at the 23 yard line. Garoppolo goes to Jennings on the right side And then gets hit out of bounds. So he gets some help from Chris Harris Jr. Who had a tough day for the Saints. Uh, That tacks on an extra six to get them down inside the 10-yard line. In which, of course, we talked about the play that was tipped by Tyron Matthew. Uh, It goes to Jawan Jennings. I thought that even though the the pass was short, Jawan did a fantastic job of creating enough separation. And on that single drive, he had catches of 13, 12, 13. 12 and then the five yard score the only touchdown that the 49ers scored on the day his final line was six catches for 49 yards only had a long of 13 which was on that drive but to me he was the ultimate safety blanket on a day where Garoppolo was not really that comfortable in the pocket he did what he had to do for the wide receivers Uh, even though he wasn't the leading receiver he would get my game ball
1: That's a good game ball. Yeah, six catches, 49 yards, as you mentioned, four catches, 42 yards, and the touchdown on that drive alone. That was the Jawan Jennings drive, no doubt. Uh, Someone else that we mentioned earlier, for me, the game ball, it goes to Fred Warner, the quarterback of the defense in a game in which you don't allow a single point. He was the best player defensively, seven tackles, had a couple of passes defensed, Forced a fumble early in the game that kind of set the tone for the 49ers, uh, and he also had a had a, had a hit uh, of Andy Dalton as well. So uh, Fred Warner, who had a bit of a down season last year, is playing uh, like an at an All Pro level this year for the 49ers. He was phenomenal again against the Saints. He gets my game ball.
0: Also, an honorable mention, it feels kind of weird, but we've gone about 45 minutes without mentioning Nick Bosa. Uh, <laughs> he was <great> doesn't, again. <laughs> doesn't happen often for the 49ers, but of course, he wasn't spectacular, so he only gets mentioned at the tail end. Of course, he had the lone sack of the game for the 49ers, which in a lot of ways, maybe people felt like ended the game. Um, fourth and goal for the Saints, put just another pin in their offense, uh, but, but he was fantastic as well defensively, as was Hufanga.
1: Yeah, and Bosa was asked post-game about that sack. It looked like he might have jumped off sides. He said he watched the replay. He said he thought the tackle jumped at the same time he did. So uh, he didn't gain an advantage. He just beat him based on his his pure strength and speed, and he got the sack of Andy Dalton that sealed the game. But uh, Nick Bosa, he deserves the benefit of the doubt every once in a while.
0: (laughs) Yeah, only what, two holding calls on Bosa today? (laughs) Could have been like
1: seven, but
0: who's counting? Probably. Uh, I'm sure 49ers fans are. Either way, (laughs) 49ers fans should be happy about this win today. 13-0. A shutout for the 49ers. Um, The first shutout, I believe, since 2019. Could be wrong about that. I think
1: that's right.
0: First four-game win streak since 2019. I know that.
1: The defense didn't allow a point for the second time this year that happened against the Seahawks, but they didn't. Oh, yes. The, the team yes. did give up points in that game, but I think first time giving, putting up a zero on the other side of the scoreboard, I think since 2019. Yeah.
0: And inexplicably, they are in first place in the NFC West. They have a game over the Seattle Seahawks and. It's a victory Monday for the 49ers upcoming. So we'll certainly talk about all the things that, that could be corrected that will need to be corrected before we get to the Miami Dolphins next weekend. Mike McDaniel's return to the Bay. Uh, a lot to dig into there. But for the win tonight, it is the 49ers 13, the Saints 0, 49ers are 7-4. and four, And this has been your uh, first episode of the week for the 415ers. Mark Grandy, sir, I appreciate you very much.
1: You too, Evan. We'll talk to you again on uh, Wednesday or uh, yeah, on Wednesday.
0: Yep, on Wednesday. In the meantime, download, rate, and subscribe to the podcast anywhere you download your podcast. This has been the 415 of on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. We'll talk to you next time.